the brand, the myth, the legend. Yes, it's time to run some tests on the tiger's blood of paddleboarding power broker and lifestyle luminary Corey Cooper, a 2005 mechanical engineering grad with a spirit unafraid to rock the boat. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. Oh. 1.21 You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Well, hello out there in podcast land. It's Friday in uh, Auburn, Auburn, Alabama, home of the uh, Auburn University's Samuel uh, Ginn College of Engineering which brings you this incredible award-winning podcast. Uh, I'm a uh, communications and marketing specialist for that college. Jeremy Henderson is my name. Throwing it to Austin is my game. That would be Austin Phillips, the director of the uh, aforementioned office. Did I say aforementioned? Did I mention it already? Office of Communications and Marketing. Uh, he directs that place, and he is the co-host. We have John Sluice over here on Keys. And uh, today is a very special day. We have a great guest uh, with us, a special guest. About a year in the making, I want to say. I talked Has to him been? last year. Penn State game. I, want I to love say. the ones that it takes a while. Yeah, you know what I mean. You plant the seed. Yeah, it builds, and then it grows. Let the swell uh-huh. grow. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Doctor Roberts. That <laughs> yeah. only took what five Ten years. years. <laughs> yeah, that, that was cool. Hey, but he became president after that. Yeah, so. Chris, I call him. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have Corey Cooper. A 2005 mechanical man, uh, 2005, and the now was it what? What are the actual terms? Is it CEO? Is it founder? Oh, is it former? First off, before we get started, dude, you're you've got a voice for isn't it. It's it, isn't it something I mean, since I'm sitting here listening to you on the phone, I'm I'm, I'm melting. <laughs> I just hey, want to so, sometimes sit I just, back in the chair. Yeah, sometimes just I just listen. sit. Yeah, same thing. I just sit at home sometimes and just listen to it, <laughs> mute my parts and just. Mm, well, this is wonderful. You know, Get you a good bourbon and some, some Henderson I, in the ear. That's all I bring to the table. <laughs> so um, yeah, to directly answer your question, yeah, founder, founder, yeah, founder, currently founder. Yeah, you know, I was the CEO of the business for for fifteen years, uh, and I know we're going off the kind no, of the map here. No, that's good. About we'll that. start with the good. We'll come back. We'll circle. So I don't even know if you've prefaced kind of what 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 i'm actually here discussing uh but we started a uh stand-up paddleboard water sports brand in destin florida right and uh you know my wife and i started it basically bootstrapping ourselves from the ground up uh for for a multitude of reasons because uh i was born just a dude wanting to tinker with stuff which is why i came to engineering school uh here at auburn and i'll i'll circle back on some cool stories about that later but uh yeah, so we, we living in Destin, Florida. I was I was in engineering, uh, uh, working for the military, or I was a military contractor at the time, doing, you know, pretty cool stuff. Uh, I mean, who doesn't like blowing, you know, blowing up bombs and seeing rockets get destroyed in the middle of a field, and uh, you know, all the, the whole nine yards there. But you know, it, no defense for anybody in that space, but for me personally, it was just kind of soulless. You know, you would create something and you would build it and you'd go boom, right? Uh, my wife, she was uh, in financial management at the time, personal wealth management, working at Merrill Lynch and, and elsewhere. We just had our first kid and uh, the creativity came out into me and living in Destin and being surrounded by beautiful water and beautiful beaches. You know, I said, hey, look, let's build something. And I fortunately at the time around 2007, 2008, I tried stand up paddleboarding for the first time. 
I was so hoping you were going to say comedy. Yeah, no. Stand-up comedy for the first time. Jeremy's <laughs> tried stand-up paddleboarding hey, one yeah. time. It didn't go so well. No. But maybe you've developed a board that <laughs> Well, could. he should try stand-up comedy because with the voice. <laughs> well, thank you. Again. This is great. Again. <laughs> but no, so, I mean, I know I'm just, you guys put me on track wherever you want me to go because I can ramble all the time. I'm loving it. Keep going. Whatever. Yeah. But, uh, so anyways, where I was at was with, you know, we're standing in the water. We're on Crab Island. Anybody listening to the podcast, if you've never been to Destin, you've never been to Crab Island, just Google it, right? It looks like the Bahamas. It's, it's, it's two feet of water. It's crystal clear. It's loaded with people. It's just a cool environment. It's got a cool ethos. It's got a cool, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. Uh, it's, it's just, just a Florida lifestyle, right? And so one of my friends rolls up to me one day, and he's, he's on a paddleboard. And again, this is, this is early before anybody even knew what paddleboards were. And it was just basically a, a giant surfboard, right? And I remember looking at the thing, and, dude, people gravitated towards this thing like it was a magnet. I mean, there people just coming you know, out of every direction. And I watched as people, person after person, you know, male, female, whoever, stepped on this thing, and they just would fall off. And I'm like, wait, why do people keep coming, but yet nobody can do this thing? And so in my mind, it was almost like, you know, the bing, the little light bulb over the guy's head type deal. Uh, the old the analogy, I can make a better mousetrap here. So I'm looking around, seeing people just enamored with this. And also, I'm completely surrounded by boats, pontoon boats, center console boats, uh, people that are from all you know networks of life kind of hanging out. And so I'm looking at this going, look, if I make a better mousetrap, I could also create this product that, that people could use from, for recreation that would be easy to use. You could paddle out storing your beer. You could have a good time, maybe go fishing, hang out on a sandbar with your friends. And it led to me to create this brand name, Boat, right, uh, B-O-T-E, uh, in my mind. And so I said, hey, we can use the stand-up paddleboard as the flagship of, of this brand and et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of where it came from. Uh, from from seeing that the first time to actually developing that that first board, how, how long did it take? That was pretty fast. I mean, it was probably two weeks. Wow, two yeah. weeks! Wow, yeah, that's well, amazing. Yeah, uh, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't in your true terms of you know kind of development from a, a commercialization perspective, but it was hey, look, let's 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 get this on three D model design. Let's uh, get a chunk of foam and let's let's shape this thing out and get it glassed. I mean pretty quick well so know. like what was what was uh going on i mean the better mousetrap like what did you improve upon well like i said it started as it, the, the idea for me and again i'm gonna i'm gonna get a little ethereal here for was was lifestyle and this was very performance driven the first products in, in stand-up paddleboarding were very surf based you know performance i wanted this to be just general leisure recreation and so uh our first products were more around integrating accessories and function of hey how can the regular person go use this thing and hang out with their friends let's attach a cooler let's add attachment points for that let's add attachment points for things that'll carry fishing rods so you know people can uh go go fishing while they're out on the water and it was more of these ancillary components of the the product that i thought was going to sell it because most people when they looked at it thought surf performance this is going to be hard i needed an inclusive element right especially from the brand brand side of things so that was kind of how we started and stacking all these things on. And I could, dude, I could ramble for, you know, five days on kind of the, that whole, you know, f- uh, 
phase of the business, but it goes on forever. You start with a paddleboard. Where, where did we end up? What, what's the what's the whole line entail? I think one critical thing in business is identifying the the brand narrative and your mission. Okay, and so when we started, uh, uh, we developed a, a mission that said we want to stand apart through industry shaping, innovation, fresh ideas, and simplicity to create a product that defines a lifestyle. And so we use that as our proverbial meat grinder, right? When we were grinding, uh, guiding the brand along the, the journey we had, and we knew as long as it fit that, whether it was developing coolers or developing, you know, inflatable floats or down to kayaks. And, you know, uh, a few years ago, we started making beer, uh, all these other cups and stuff. It's the whole immersive experience because we weren't selling a product. We were selling an idea. We were selling an experience. And, you know, from, from get go, when I would go and pitch this to people, they would say, well, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to put it in simple forms. We're packaging up the Florida lifestyle and we're selling it so that people in Arkansas and Georgia and Alabama, they can buy that. It's the, it's the vision of that. It's not the, it's not the trinket. You know what I mean? And anybody can sell a trinket, you know, that's, uh, and, and be honest with you, that was one thing that got me into the business. I, I got sick of commodities, man. I just wanted something with emotion and storytelling and soul. Something you could just, you know, ah, yeah. Well, I think we, I mean, I think we feel that because that's kind of what we do here every yeah, day. I mean, yeah. We're selling in Auburn engineering education. You're selling a life that's to, it. to somebody. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea what actually goes on. <laughs> but, I mean, I well, can let, just talk let, about how awesome it is. Let's go all the way back to the start. How'd you, where'd you grow up and how did you end up at Auburn? Yeah. I grew up in Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi to be specific. Uh, I lived there with my, uh, my parents until around the age of eight or nine. Mom and dad got divorced, uh, moved to Texas uh, for two or three years. Uh, outside, you know, went to, I think that was up until, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade, and how to reflect back on exact times. Uh, when, I was, when I was in that age, you know, say early elementary school age, like I said, I, I was always tearing stuff apart, man. My mom's got pictures of me breaking little tractors apart. I, hey, I, she bought me one with a cab on it, and I didn't want the cab on it, so I took a hammer and smashed the cab <laughs> off of it and turned it into a tractor without a cab because that was what my granddad had. Right. And, you know, so I remember back in that same time period too, man, making radios out of computers, doing stuff like that. Uh, so – I moved to Texas. I uh, ended up moving to north of Atlanta uh, is where I ended up going to high school, a uh, city called Woodstock, went to Woodstock High. And in that time period is when, uh, you know, you obviously you get serious about going to college. Uh, I knew forever I was going to go into engineering. I just didn't necessarily know where. Uh, living in Mississippi, from a fan sports perspective, I grew up as an Ole Miss fan. That was my, my uh, uh, grandfather. He donated to Ole Miss and stuff. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, if they'd have had a, a legit engineering school, I, I probably would have ended up there. But I went toward Georgia Tech, uh, toward Auburn. And I, I remember this story, man. I tell this to a lot of people. But so I toured Georgia Tech, and then I get I do the, the stuff here at Auburn. And I can't remember if it was Dr. Dyer at the time or, or somebody. You know, he – and this is – no offense to any other school anywhere else, but no, it's oh, fine. Yeah, no, we, yeah, 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 yeah. No, Georgia so. Tech sucks. <laughs> well, but he goes, "Hey, listen, man, uh, we show me the shop class and everything else." And he goes, "Hey, we we teach real here. That's what we teach. You know, whatever you're going to design, somebody's going to be in a shop floor and they got to make it. And those guys over there, it's all theory, you know. And you you're you're, you're going to crank something out that can't actually be executed. And you you got to have this beautiful marriage of execution versus theory." to actually be able to deliver something. 
And you just, again, it, it, that hit me, that resonated with me like instantaneously. Uh, yeah, I didn't get fed that anywhere else, you know, that, that I toured uh, from the university side of things. And so that honestly, that combined with being, growing up a fan of an SEC school, knowing, you know, I mean, going to all the SEC games, I'm like, dude, th- this is the place. And it just felt like home anyways. Well, and what's so crazy and full circle is I don't know if you've seen the makerspace that we have in Brown Copel now. Dude, so, this is the first time I've been in the whole new engineering complex. Okay, well, we're, I come to Auburn all the well, time. we're walking you down there when we get done Sweet. real quick, if you've got a minute, uh, because uh, the the Browns donated uh, $30 million back in 2016, 2019. We finished the building. Uh, so used to we had all of our student support services here, yeah. but this allowed us to have our own facility, a new front door to the college, grow all of those student support services. But on the ground level, we have what we call the design the design or innovation center is what it is um and it's a maker space mm. there are kids in there non-stop all the time doing what you're talking about doing growing That's up where it's at, man. just completely hands-on breaking stuff building stuff you've got freshmen over here you've got seniors over here freshmen yep. are learning and seeing the seniors you're gonna dig this place i mean it, it is the crown jewel of this college and the biggest selling point we have for exactly for what you said i mean it'll the students there's windows right there for all the tours to go by yep so they're seeing the students in there just that's completely brandy you can see everybody 100 100 we, nothing we can do can sell uh this college more than that window yep. does to that place so yeah the kids are coming here specifically for this, oh yeah, well, we, well, there's, I can't tell you. I can't tell you how many of uh, these students we've had on the podcast that are like, oh, as soon as we walk past the makerspace, that was it. You that, know, it's funny, and, and uh, to, to to hammer on that point, man, we had a, a our, our lab and our business we called the dark room, and uh, we obviously stole the analogy from the you know the photo space of kind of background development, but we kept it very frontal in both the business brand and for everybody inside, whether it was in marketing and sales and everything else, so that you had kind of that front row seat to what was going on. So you could see the, you know, the, the mistakes, the, the successes, and just the process. And it's important, man, because I think in corporate America, a lot of people see the finished product and they don't understand, you know, the phases and just the, again, man, I'm a big advocate of exposing the gritty side of business and the, the you know the just the, the underbelly you know because that's what's cool that's what people dig and so being able to walk by that and see it I mean that's that's where everything starts it is it is yeah no definitely well while you were here what were you involved in much get involved with any organizations any teams any things like that dude it's it, you're gonna find this very clear it's hard to remember I mean uh uh yeah, I mean, obviously we were doing labs. We had a bunch of teams doing different stuff. Uh, I mean, I put my fingers in a lot of stuff. Yeah, well, and, and then right out of college, you you went you went West Point. Yeah, so I went way far down the road uh, <laughs> to West Point, Georgia, and was doing uh, 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 basically it, long story, but man, it was it was a very cool uh, business with a lot of heritage. I mean, it was in the uh, machine design industry for textiles. And at the time, a lot of that space was being moved to uh, India on the manufacturing side of things, not necessarily the machine side, but on the manufacturing side. And so, you know, and a lot of engineers, I think, in in, uh, my era, you know, came out and experienced similar stuff, you know, just industry moving different spaces. But I got to work with a lot of cool people and thrown into the fire to where I was like almost one of the one of two engineers there that, you know, pretty sizable company. So I just had to figure stuff out on the fly. And it was it was cool. Well, going back to boat, you know, that, that seeing that 
problem seeing that problem on the water of people can't stay on this boat i mean on this board uh you going back solving a problem coming up yeah. with a solution how did auburn engineering help play into that mindset and prepare you well man first off it armed me with uh, a ton of practical tools you know uh, if you're if you're a carpenter you got to have a good hammer and you know i had whether it's on the 3d you know 3d modeling side of things uh just material science stuff. I can go on and on, but Auburn was very full, you know, in, in terms of being well-bodied and, and, and diverse from a, uh, uh, what's the best thing I can say from a, a studies perspective, man. I man, I can't just isolate. I, I really had so much stuff, you know, from the, what Auburn army was to be able to go and execute. I mean, I remember back our senior project, you know, where you had to go and you had to go into uh, uh, the machine shop at the time. I don't even know if it's still there. Is it the yeah. same one? Well, we've got a brand new one down. Dude, in I mean, this space. one was. <laughs> it is. So we had a we had a class where it was our, our project was to develop an oil filter crusher, right? To crush all these oil filters to simply reduce disposal space for you know the automotive industry, and uh, it. I know it sounds cliche, but man, just the simple practical things of ordering parts, getting this stuff, you know, doing cost analysis on everything else, uh, being able to run the production cycle from end to end. Uh, learning, you know, commercialization and working with the people in the in the actual space that we're going to be using the product to get feedback from them to understand that product is 360. It's not one sided. It doesn't go one way. It doesn't just flow out. You know, what I mean, it comes like this. Uh, all these different, you know, fundamentals that that Auburn brought to the game for me well, was a different perspective. And it also from on the business side, you know, I, too many people look at engineering from a product perspective or from a analytics perspective. You said it earlier, engineering is nothing but problem solving, right? And I look at business the same way. Business is, you, you take a set of laws, right? Whether it's, you know, business laws, ethical laws, uh, funding, et cetera, et cetera. And engineering to me is just manipulating the physical laws. And so if you take that and you apply it to business and you just think about problem solving in that, in that fashion, instead of putting yourself in a box, which I find most of a lot of people in business think very rigid in that sense. You know, I had to get very creative on the business side of how am I going to fund this with money? You know, what's the quickest way to turn $1 into $2? And again, being able to attach, you know, a string end to end from the product to the consumer, I don't think I could have done it if I hadn't had an engineering degree from Auburn. Now, did y'all just recently sell the company? We did, yeah. Okay, so... What's, What's next, next for Corey and Magda Cooper? Well, dude, oh, man, it's people ask that all the time, man. <laughs> so, look, man, it's it's like when you build a brand, and it this is what this wasn't a business; it was a brand, and it was a soul, right? It was emotion, and you do your best to set it up for future success, and it, like sending a kid to college. Uh, we sold the business for a few reasons on the business side of things. One, we we had you know four or five years of astronomical performance year over year. We brought in private equity partners in 2016, and they had a five-year fund cycle uh, that they, you know, wanted to go through. And so, you know, sitting at the end of the five years, seeing the valuations and, and where we were at and the performance of the business, it's one of those things, again, back to engineering. Hey, man, like, you're at the top right now. We can risk it. We can keep going. Or we can make a smart decision as partners and do this. That's why we sold the key for me, though, was keeping intact the soul of the business and making sure that it was set up to keep moving forward. And I think we were able to do that in, you know, most sense. Uh, but for me personally and, and, and for my wife, it gave us a chance to kind of reset. I mean, you're talking 15 years in of raising a kid 
that debt you had to it was always in the infant stage you know it never grew out of like hey all right dude you're out of diapers now 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 you can walk yourself to school it's always in diapers you know what i mean <laughs> right no matter how big it is and so it's it's like it's just insane so we needed about a year to reset which we were able to do we we, we actually just moved from destin florida to st petersburg florida uh we spent uh, two or three months in Barcelona this summer going around Europe and uh, so we just got settled in, in St. Petersburg and uh, I'm a again dude I'm a I'm a creator I'm a tinkerer so we're gonna uh, launch another brand in the consumer good space with learning a lot of the same stuff that we've learned from boat and it hopefully it'll be more uh, I, I, I don't know if I could say the word here on, on, on the podcast but no do it badass yeah. you know what I mean it'll be it'll be another round of better like well, do it I, I'm I'm excited to see the next round of Corey Cooper badassery. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you guys are giving me too much props here. I'm just a dude. Well, you're a great representative. I'm just a dude playing a dude. Disguised well, as another you're dude. A gr- you're a great representative of this college and uh, your story uh, for some of the students that are sitting here right now that are listening to it yeah, uh, can be that inspiration to go out there and do do similar things and do great things. Absolutely. That's what I would say. Just go do it, man. I, I, I know I say it a lot. I know you're wrapping it up, but one message, dude, don't be scared. Like your business or entrepreneurship or starting a product is literally the same as cliff jumping. You're standing there and look at the edge and somebody say, Hey man, how do I go? You just got to jump. That's it. I mean, ain't no parachute. Just jump, you know, just hope. <laughs> Hope Hope for the best. That's it. All right. My hacky sack company starts tomorrow. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. Corey, can't thank you enough for taking the time to to join us and congrats on all the success. And uh, and yeah, what I mean, what an incredible thing to be able to sit there and talk about a senior project and you know how that you know actually applied in in yeah what a what a a great uh, I don't know legacy and uh, the. I don't know, folks, to see the success. This is it, it's so awesome. We, you know, we get to see all these just just these overachievers. You know, just coming here all the time. But and then to see to see somebody who's had this level of success uh, after the fact uh, and 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 kind of outside the box. You know, for an engineer. You know, we have eye surgeons, we got patent lawyers, and everything, and we have uh, brand moguls. Uh, yeah, too. basically, and that's yeah. just uh, it's just really cool to to see and you know. See well, and and, and for of. this past twenty minutes, he's got to enjoy your voice too. Well, so yeah, that's what to. I was about to say, man. We we attach that. I wish <laughs> I had, I would have met you earlier. He man. can he can leave you a voicemail. Oh, if you no, need to. Be, we, we would absolutely be sending you voiceover roles, dude. <laughs> yeah, first, hey, I am here. Z job, here we go. Here we go. Hey, the brandy, I'm already rolling. Here we go. Please, Corey, please. Yeah, if you need anybody that sounds like the teacher on Charlie Brown, I can help you. Perfect. Might need that too. All right, the War Eagle. War Eagle, Eagle, man. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering.